For many businesses today, cloud computing is a no-brainer. So what is the cloud? Cloud computing services allow companies big and small to compete on an international scale by minimizing the upfront costs of hardware and software. Developers and businesses can subscribe to advanced computing services like databases and networking and analytics, while avoiding the hassle of setting up and maintaining expensive data centers. And they can scale up services as they need them and only pay for the services they use. You only pay for what you use. This approach allows companies to focus more on their core products and less on things like data storage and computing power. But how do you go about choosing a cloud platform? There's a lot of competition out there and a lot to consider before you sign up. On this episode of the If Else podcast, we're going to meet a software engineer who's at a crossroads. Yeah, I'm Justin and I'm a senior software engineer. He needs to decide on a cloud platform to take his app to the next level. We're going to try to help him decide between two of the more popular options available. To do this, we've got two experts on deck, ready to argue on behalf of their favorite platform in a debate-style setting. My name is Charity Majors. I'm currently the co-founder and CTO of Honeycomb. So my name is Daniel Compton. I'm an engineer on a project called DEPS, and I'm also the project leader at Closure Us Together. The plan is to give our decider the information he needs to make the right choice. I'm Mayuko Inoue, and this is If Else, your guide to smart choices in the field of software development. It's a show that'll help you hone the soft skills and master the hard skills you need to have a sustainable career in tech. Every episode, we take a big technical or career challenge and give you the background information you need to make the best choices. It's for everyone from newbies to experienced developers, and for managers and executives too. And it's brought to you by CTO.ai, the makers of the Ops platform. We're going to start with Justin. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a small app that I wrote that I just kind of play with on the side and I could do it on a server, just do it myself. Uh, I run it locally as I do development, but I'm curious to know what other solutions are out there for making it better or faster or, or less infrastructure to manage. Justin is a software engineer based in Los Angeles. He's considering two different platforms to host and manage his app, but he isn't sure which one to choose. Google Cloud Platform and uh, Amazon Web Services are the two that I look at. They, they both have a lot of offerings here and, and just kind of figuring out which one might work best for a small-ish project that might potentially grow. There are a lot of factors for Justin to consider. He's got a few key ones on his mind. Cost is definitely one of them, not just money involved of you know running the infrastructure, but then also personal time cost of how much do I need to maintain it, how much do I need to do updates or, or something like that is, is definitely a consideration. And then finally would be overhead of learning um, the platform itself of just how much time it's going to take to ramp up. So which platform should Justin choose? That's our challenge for today. This is an important decision. It's one that can make Justin's app easier to manage and let him focus on developing it further, or it could be a time-consuming false start. 
the stakes get much higher for larger businesses, where these decisions can seriously impact the bottom line. And while there are free trials for many of these services, some platforms make it very difficult or very expensive to switch once you've committed. Think of your cell phone contract, but on a much larger scale. We want to help Justin get the decision right the first time. To keep things simple, we're going to focus on the two platforms Justin mentioned. Let's start with some background on Amazon Web Services. Amazon Web Services, or AWS, is a big player, and it's had a long head start. Amazon.com actually helped popularize cloud computing back in 2006 when it released Elastic Compute Cloud. That's about five years ahead of most of the other major providers. That early growth advantage has led to a huge range of services under the AWS umbrella. In fact, it can be a bit overwhelming. AWS currently has around 165 different services in everything from storage to mobile to networking to deployment to machine learning to, well, you get the idea. AWS offers functionality mainly through developer APIs, which can be accessed over HTTP. The billing model is pay-as-you-go, but you can save money when you reserve or use more services. And there's a free trial, so you can get your feet wet before you commit. Here are some opinions from a few folks in the developer community who use AWS. Things great about AWS generally are the absolute massive ability to customize everything you, you have, from security granularity to all the unique little services that you might want. AWS is the de facto market leader. They have an enormous proportion of the market share. And that means that on one hand, it's easy to adopt their services because it's easy to find answers to some of your questions. On the other hand, they kind of have less incentive to compete in some of the specific areas because they know that people are going to be locked into a degree to using them. If you have a startup and then you are set on using AWS, they actually have some programs that you can use. They literally offer you people to give you advice and to put you on the right track when the complexity of their services becomes too much. Some on-the-ground perspective on AWS. It's the de facto market leader with a ton of services. But its complex ecosystem can be challenging to navigate, and some services are losing their edge compared to the competitors. We'll get into more of the inner workings of AWS during our debate. But before that, let's have a look at one of the other main options for Justin and anyone else looking to choose between cloud computing platforms. Here's a backgrounder on Google Cloud Platform. Back in 2008, Google announced App Engine, their first cloud computing service. It's a platform for developing and hosting web applications in Google data centers. App Engine became generally available in November 2011, and since then, Google has added multiple cloud services. Today, Google Cloud Platform, or GCP, is a suite of cloud services that runs on the same infrastructure that Google uses for its own products, like Google Search and YouTube. Much like AWS, GCP is scalable and operates on a pay-what-you-use basis. There's no server management, and you can trigger code from Google Assistant, Firebase, or from the web. 
Google Cloud Functions is a service that makes it easy for developers to run and scale code in the cloud. It supports code written in Node.js, Python, and Go, so you don't have to learn new languages or frameworks. Some of the other modular cloud services include storage, analytics, and machine learning, all in a multi-layered and secure infrastructure. Google also offers a one-year free trial to get companies up and running. Have a listen to some reviews from developers using the Google approach to cloud computing. Google's documentation is brilliantly simplistic and extremely useful. They don't have a single word in their documentation that is extra. It's just so cohesive as a documentation and incredibly easy to use. As a company, we made a strategic decision to move across to GCP about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago now. That decision was primarily driven by our desire to move across to Kubernetes, and we felt that Google was a market leader in that space, and we wanted to basically be with the leader. Google Cloud Platform seems to have a lot of the most modern setup for applications. So if they're using Golang microservices, serverless, lambdas, all of those things are are kind of bleeding edge things and uh, Google Cloud Platform seems to support that very, very well because that's also what they use internally and they're cheapest for that particular type of deployment. Some user thoughts on Google Cloud Platform. Easy to use, good documentation, a useful Kubernetes engine, and GCP has competitive pricing. That said, it's not as big a suite of services as AWS, and currently it has less market share than AWS and Microsoft Azure. Okay, now you have some context on a couple of the more popular cloud computing platforms. Let's check back with Justin to get a sense of which direction he's leaning. Yeah, I probably lean towards AWS just because it seems like they're much bigger player. They have more features. If there is something that I I possibly want to do, they probably have a hosted way to do it uh, so that it's possibly less overhead for me to actually have to do anything time-wise. Justin has some experience with these platforms. But let's help Justin actually commit to the next step and choose a cloud platform that allows him to easily manage his app. We've got two experts lined up to help him out. Charity Majors joins me on the line from San Francisco to argue for AWS. She's the co-founder and CTO of Honeycomb.io, a toolset designed for platforms, microservices, serverless apps, and complex systems. Here's your 30-second intro. My name is Charity Majors. I think Justin should use AWS. AWS has the richest ecosystem of managed services that you can, you know, plug. Everything's just right there. You don't have to pay costs like ship it out and ship it back in. It has a very rich ecosystem. It is the default. It's well documented. It's well understood. You can hire people, consultants, et cetera, that will immediately understand it. And it's just, it's solid, man. It's, it's a good quality service. And Daniel Compton joins me from Morinsville, New Zealand, to argue for GCP. Daniel is a founder of Depths, a private Maven repository service. He's also the project leader of Closurists Together, a community organization dedicated to funding critical closure open source software. Here's your 30-second intro. So my name's Daniel Compton, and I think that uh, GCP is is the better choice for this situation because it comes from a simpler base. There's a simpler mental model 
that you need to have in mind when you're working with GCP. They provide you know, less managed offerings, but uh, the offerings that they do have tend to be more comprehensive so that you can use you know, a smaller set of primitives to achieve the same thing, which you might need to use more services in AWS to get the same result. Okay, Daniel, Charity, thank you so much for coming on the show. So you've made your pitch, and now we want you to make your case. So first, Charity, why is AWS your cloud platform of choice? Well, when I started using it, it was because it was the only choice. <laughs> it was the only thing that was around. You know, we started using S3, I think, when I was at Linden Lab, and pretty quickly got hooked on the idea of not having to wake up and go to the data center in the middle of the night to flip a power switch when things went down. Um, it was revolutionary, you know. The, the idea of cloud-based elastic stuff is is so commonplace nowadays that we kind of forget just how disruptive it was and how much, you know, like I, I'm old enough that I can remember when we had to buy physical servers, which meant we had to plan for how big we were going to be two or three years in advance. It was the only thing around at the time. Um, and so I've grown up with it, right? AWS does the job. And there's also a lot of value in it being broadly known and in there being a lot of available resources. You know, in a set of services that is this complex and this dense, there are always going to be so many edge cases and weird things things that you're going to encounter, being able to find those with a quick Google search is really nice. Awesome. So now, Daniel, what is it about GCP that sets it apart from AWS? So I think there's there's a few things that GCP has which are quite fundamentally different from AWS. And the first one, which is not a technical one, but one that I you know, want to highlight as important for me was GCP and Google in general's carbon philosophy, their uh, use of renewable energy in their data centers. And they've been, as far as I can tell, leaders in that space. So that's, you know, it wouldn't be reason enough to choose on its own, but it was a really important thing for us when we were evaluating what we were going to choose. AWS does have regions where they can get renewable energy, and um, AWS has basically said, we're not going to invest in that direction unless you make us do it. So unless customers start requesting it and customers start prioritizing it, AWS isn't going to do that. And I, f I do find that very morally disappointing. Yeah, I'd agree. I love that we're thinking about sustainability, especially in cloud computing, because it's something that I personally don't think about all the time, but there is a environmental impact mm -hmm. in providing these services. So now, obviously, no cloud computing service is going to be perfect for every need. Um, so Charity, can you tell me a little bit about the challenges of using uh, AWS? Oh, yeah. Look at any infrastructure diagram. It's a spaghetti mess. You know, I mean, it's not that I mean, all the prevailing trends in infrastructure are leading to things being messier. And yet AWS does not make this e better or easier. It makes it substantially worse, uh, you know, because it's so easy to just spin up another thing. And now you've got another thing. And and managing them all is, is, is kind of a nightmare. And we're doing all this in the name of reliability and res resiliency. Right. We're taking the app the database and chopping them up and distributing them and all this stuff and and that that comes with a pretty high operational cost their approach to pricing all right here's it here's a story that i will tell that will it's probably the worst experience i've ever had with aws and made us seriously consider moving to gcp it just happened um our aws bill was going up like a lot and we're like okay well we're growing you know this sort of makes sense and i'm not inexperienced with aws billing like i've got some very nice shell scripts that, like break it all down by tags and stuff. Well, props out there to Corey Quinn 
and Mike Julian, who have this startup consultancy that does nothing but consult with you on your AWS bill. <laughs> they were the ones who were able to pinpoint the fact that it was cross availability zone network traffic that was responsible for like 70% of our bill. And I had spent everything this way, like with an eye towards, you know, failovers and resiliency. And if an AZ goes down, it should fail over. So, you know, we had like cross traffic for Kafka and the store and everything, but like they did not surface that to us and they did not refund us and they did not make it easy uh, to fix it. All of their recommendations are for things that will bite you in terms of cost. And they, like they have this relentless focus on making costs go lower and lower, which I appreciate, um, but they do not seem to have the same commitment to transparency, which I do not. And Daniel, what's something that you find challenging about GCP? So I think uh, Charity's touched on this a little bit already, but GCP service offering is is more limited than AWS. And so one of the things we're looking at at the moment is uh, secret storage and how we're going to do that in Google Cloud. And AWS comes with several uh, different ways of storing secrets you know in services and google doesn't really have anything first party there's some you know there's libraries and plugins and things that you can use which sort of build on top of the gcp primitives but they're missing you know some of those core things and i I guess the trouble is that it honestly doesn't feel like google is adding services fast enough there they've got a very high quality bar there's a line i don't this was said by a google employee so i'm certain it's a bit biased but they say google's beta is aws's ga i don't know if i'd agree with that Mm -hmm. in in all cases but i know they certainly have generously yeah (laughs) uh certainly you know they have a high quality bar um but i i do wonder whether that means that they miss out um or they're just not able to meet customers needs today it feels like GCP is an opinionated approach to building services. Yes. Right? They've got an idea, roughly, right? They have an idea of this is the right way to do things. And so if you fit within those lanes, it's going to be wonderful and elegant. Uh, in AWS, you've got a bunch of options, and, and they aren't very rigorous about killing off the ones that aren't so useful or, or good. And the quality bar is variable. Yeah. So Charity, you kind of talked about just how many services that AWS provides and also kind of touched on cost. So um, how important is customization for people like Justin? And how do features like these impact your bill at the end of the month? That's that's kind of the million dollar question, right? Like, what are your future plans, Justin? (laughs) Right? Like, is this a hobby? Is this a startup? Is this a side project? Is this something that's never going to get that big? Right? Uh, I really like the concept. uh, Dan McKinley has this amazing blog post about innovation tokens. And he's saying, you know, if you're a startup, you get three innovation tokens. Spend them wisely. You do not want to be reinventing Anything you don't have to, you should use the boringest, defaultest technology that you can everywhere that you possibly can. But if you're doing something new, it's very likely you're going to need to innovate in some areas to just like sharply restrict those. Um, And for Justin, as he's getting started, like I would first ask him, you know, where do you think your innovation tokens are going to go? My default advice to go with AWS is because you have so much more flexibility there. I love the idea of innovation tokens, by the way. It's so good, right? It's so clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, do you have any follow-up thoughts about this? The good side of AWS having all of these services is that there's going to be probably something for you that you'll be able to use. And if there's not something for you, wait six months and there probably will be. Yeah. With GCP, you've got what you've got. And I, I wouldn't be so confident about any particular service coming out on any particular time. And so the positive side of that, though, is that what Google Cloud offers you is a pretty sort of consistent set of 
pieces that fit together well. Uh, so I think my, my favorite example of this is queuing. Uh, and in AWS, you've got SQS, SNS, Amazon MQ, Kinesis Data Streams, Kinesis Data Firehose, DynamoDB Streams, and Amazon Managed Streaming Kafka. And in Google Cloud, there's just Google Cloud PubSub. Each of those things might have areas where they are better than Google Cloud PubSub, but uh, Google Cloud PubSub can just about you know fill most of those roles. So if you're uh, coming to AWS and you don't have much AWS experience already, you're going to be looking at those queuing services and saying, like, which one do I use? How do I know? Do I need to use multiple queues to join SNS to SQS because SQS can do one thing and SNS can do another thing and they don't quite match up uh, exactly how you want? You know, the consistency of Google Cloud services means that there's a little bit less mental overhead and choice paralysis when you need to figure out, well, which one of these do I want to use? In terms of billing, uh, I think Google Cloud's pricing is usually pretty fair. Like it generally feels like when you read the pricing model, you can sort of build a mental model of like, okay, why do they charge this way? It also often guides you in the right architectural direction. If you see, oh, it costs me like $5 to do this thing and one cent to do this other thing. Okay, there's probably like an architectural reason why this way is much more expensive than this other way. And so that kind of pushes you down down a path. Yeah, and I didn't really touch on the cost part of that question, but most of the time when people are looking at the cost of their infrastructure components, they're looking at it the wrong way. Um, Because any time that something's going to cost you as a managed service, if you're trying to do it yourself instead because you think it's going to save you money, (laughs) um, you're probably wrong. (laughs) Very, very wrong. Awesome. Thanks for that. Um, So just to start wrapping up, Knowing Justin's situation as a solo developer working on his own app, um, what else would you recommend to him to consider as he's making his decision? Uh, Maybe Charity, you first. Just think about, think very, very critically about what is your differentiator? What are you doing that's new? What is it that you really, what is non-negotiable, right? And then be just be as boring as you possibly can. Making, you know, bad choices can hobble a team f- for years uh, and really treating it like a first-class aspect of, of, of what you're trying to do is something you will never regret. Oh, and instrumentation observability. Sorry. Instrumentation from day one, never accept a pull request unless you can explain to yourself, how will I know if this is broken? You know, setting that standard is is the other part of it. So Daniel, same question to you. What would you recommend that Justin consider before he commits? So I think I'd really want to think pretty carefully about what are my goals for this project? Am I doing it because I want it to become you know, my full-time job one day? Do I want to learn new technologies? Is this something that you want to you know, be wearing a pager for? Do you want to make choices that may be, you know, more interesting, but uh, may need, you know, more attention? Uh, if the site is down uh, and you're, you know, in the middle of a work meeting, is that a problem for you? Can you tolerate that? Or do you need to, you know, make choices that are going to heal themselves and avoiding needing so much of your direct attention? I think I misheard the question. And I, and I think that you are answering the question that, that I would have answered if I had heard it correctly. So thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so I think the innovation tokens, like I'll, I'll take the opposite side to charity that you know, sometimes you do want to spend innovation tokens on your cloud, your cloud platform. Sometimes you do. Yeah, uh, because... Yeah. We are in violent agreement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, sh- you should be really aware of that. I'll play devil's advocate on this just a little bit, which is if you're just starting out, if you're a young startup, it is your competitive advantage to be more open to risk than more established companies are. 
uh, like for example at Parse, uh, we you know mobile backend as a service, and we started using MongoDB back in the early days when <laughs> there was like a right there was a single lock per replica set right you know and we were just like this is this was literally impossible to do until mongodb came along because you had to be able to run any workload write heavy read heavy you know you would pick very different databases very different data stores for each type of app and mongodb gave us the flexibility to run all of them and yes it was rocky yes it was green yes it was you know all of those things but we grew up alongside of it. And the amount of risk that we were able to take in those early days, yes, it was down all the time, but that was fine for us. And by the time we got to a level where more stability was required, uh, MongoDB had grown up with us. Awesome. Well, thank you too for being on the show today. This has been super helpful. Learning about innovation tokens is definitely something that I'm going to bring along with me on my journey. Everyone should read that blog yeah. post. Google from McFunley and innovation tokens is the best. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> So thank you, Charity and Daniel, for coming on the show and helping Justin out. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks. It was great. Charity Majors is a co-founder and CTO of Honeycomb.io, a toolset to help modern DevOps and site reliability engineering teams. Daniel Compton is the founder of Depths, a private Maven repository service. He's also the project leader of Closurists Together. You can find links in the show notes and at cto.ai slash podcast. Lots of useful information to think about from our debate. But maybe the decision is becoming a bit clearer for Justin, or for you if you're considering one of these options yourself. I want to add a few more big picture stats to the pile. According to Gartner Research, the public cloud service market is expected to reach $206.2 billion in 2019. By 2020, 83% of enterprise workloads will be in the cloud. So this is big business and getting bigger. All the cloud platforms we talked about, AWS, GCP, and Azure, offer free trials, but the number of services, the pricing, and the support all vary substantially, as you heard in the debate. Microsoft is now moving towards a blending of license, subscription, and usage models for its Azure pricing, and it's quite possible that AWS and GCP will follow suit. Companies that employ AWS include Netflix, Twitch, LinkedIn, Facebook, and ESPN, among many others. Companies that use GCP include Spotify, Home Depot, Snapchat, Coca-Cola, Domino's, and Sony Music. And fun fact, Apple iCloud used to use Microsoft Azure, but now employs Google Cloud. Wherever you are in your tech career, there are always opportunities to improve your knowledge. CTO.ai thinks a lot about how to make work in software development and DevOps more efficient and enjoyable. Visit CTO.ai to download the Ops platform. The Ops platform makes it easy for development teams to create and share workflow automations without leaving the command line. Let's check back in with Justin, now that he's set up with all of this information about Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud Platform. Daniel originally pointed out the uh, power situation with the cloud providers, and, and that is actually a, a fairly compelling thing. As Charity even mentioned, you know, 
customers need to ask for it and, and customers can speak loudly with where they go. Uh, so that was an interesting piece for me to be able to think about it from that side of things as well. I think in this specific scenario, I would be going with GCP, mostly just because I'm individual developer and looking at GCP's free tier seems to be a little better. Um, I could look at going to AWS for all of the different offerings, but initially starting out uh, for cost wise and just for overhead of needing to learn things, I think GCP would be the right call for me at this point. All right, then. Justin is opting for GCP. He feels Google offers the best options in its free tier for now, and that the learning curve won't be quite as steep as AWS. Not to mention Google's commitment to reducing their carbon footprint. As you heard from the debate, neither platform is a one-size-fits-all option. In fact, many larger companies use services from multiple platforms in order to take advantage of different strengths. Hopefully, what you've heard today takes some of the mystery out of cloud platforms and sets you up with a few good questions to ask if you're considering one of the many options out there. If you decide to take cloud computing out for a test drive, let us know how it goes. Drop us a line and tell us what works for you and what doesn't. Let us know on our social channels at cto.ai slash podcast. And while you're there, subscribe to the series. It's free and new episodes arrive every two weeks. You can also find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Next time on If Else, it's remote versus on-site. We'll take a look at what you gain by working remotely and what you lose. And we'll explore the pros and cons of working at the office. Also, you can decide what'll work best for you and your team. I'm Mayuko Inoue. Thanks for listening. When it released its Elastic, com- elastic Compute Cloud product, is that how? <laughs> that was a tongue twister. <laughs>